previously on the player's world. The rest of the hunters got their magical items and then they began covering up their tracks and mess from their last mystery here in the Broadstead Museum. Chuck investigated the hunters as they walked him through their version of what happened and he becomes a little suspicious of them when their stories don't exactly line up. The brown suits take care of Augustus and they wheel him away, leaving the rest of the hunters alone to tend to their harm. Let's find out how they cope in the player's world. The screen falls blank, and a single string of text fades in at the bottom, which reads, Two days earlier. We hover overhead of a city, another city, very different to Broadstead, and far away from its wonderful reaches. We hover above the black rooftops, cast in darkness by the sleepy night sky. This city lays cold in the dark, and the rolling rain coats the buildings in a blanket of isolation and disappointment. As we hover now, we begin to zoom down to one of these buildings that is only from a handful of places with some of the lights still on in its windows. An office suite with crooked stairwells and leaning walls, and we swoop in to see the messy interior of one of these rooms. A single office room with crowded shelves of manila folders and coffee-stained files. A steady desk fan lumbers on, cooling the air for the only patron in here, who lays face down at the desk, or what we can assume is a desk since it's like just seemingly flooded in a waterfall of paperwork. The figure sits with its back to us, and we struggle to see any discernible features. As they sit up, they reach into the pocket of the trench coat they wear, pulls out a mobile phone, dials in a number, and holds it up to their feathered ear. You have reached the voicemail box of... Dave Knight. Hey Dave, long weekend? Listen bud, I'm calling about... Hey, you have any clue where you store the files for the the Neil case? God, Dave... Your desk's a mess. What happened to you, man? Right. Just talk to me when you get here. I'll buy you a coffee for going through your stuff. But Sarge is on the warpath about the evidence. Call me back. They flip the phone shut, and the chair they sit in creaks as this patron leans back in a sigh of frustration and exhaustion. As they stay like this for a moment, Letting the soft rumble of the desk fan roll by and the silence behind it sink further in, a soft noise comes from the bottom of the only door into this room. A noise made by a note being slid under the door. I push my feathers off of my brow and get off this chair, sigh, stretch a bit, bones cracking, you know, and... Go and pick up the note. You hold the note up. Its edges are jagged and blackened, like it had been momentarily caught in a fire. And there are only five words on this note. 
but it's probably everything that you need right now. The Hotel of Discovery, Broadstead. I sigh and I hold it in my hands for a few minutes, looking at it and trying to think about it. It does have that burnt smell, like freshly burnt kind of smell. I guess I close the computer and I tuck the piece of paper in my pocket. And I don't quite know yet, but I feel an urge. I feel a hunch coming on. Hmm. A hunch to go to Broadstead. Descending down the cool grey front stairs of the Broadstead Museum, the midday sun beats down on you now, reminding you of how quickly the weather has shifted from the cool climate it was earlier this morning when you entered. Some brown suits clear a pathway through the small crowd that is now gathered behind the taped-off street barriers, and members of the crowd hustle and whisper in hushed tones, mostly murmurs of the 200-year-old peace that's now been broken. Commencing their outset, we watch on as our hunters begin to drag themselves back through the streetways and lanes of the city of Broadstead, backtracking the path we watched them take here on the Invisitrain, through the business district where more owl-headed suit-wearing folks stand at the front of various serious businesses, all discussing their business matters. (laughs) They make their way through the residential quarters of the city where, above them, spiderweb-like canopies of colorful clothes drizzle and drape between buildings. Street vendors and busking musicians fill the streets with sonic and aromatic bliss when you pass through the market region of the city. And it's somewhat around this point where we see a small blinking neon sign which sits jutting out the side of a slightly janky looking building which glows against the bright early afternoon light. A sign that reads... Raven's Rags. So as we're walking, I think after we got out of the museum, I was just like, oh my god, I need a drink. And I'm gonna like, look at Rainbow just kind of nervously while we're walking there. And I think I know these streets pretty well. So when I see that we're about to like pass by the path that kind of leads to Raven's Rags, I'm just kind of like, hey, Rainbow, um... Do you, do you, it's, it was kind of nice hanging out with you and stuff. Um, I know you, you might want to rest and all, but uh, you, you want to um, you, you hang out? or it's, it's, a, it's a really relaxing place, I promise. You're not gonna, it's not like a party or whatever. Uh, please? I'd love to. Thank you, Luz. Where, where are we going? Um, it's a laundry mat. What's that? Um... <laughs> um, you, um, you, you bring us a, a sack of quarters and you bring your sack of laundry and you go and wash your clothes. I can't, I can't discuss this much louder. Okay, let's just go. Um, bye Ava, bye Eli. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna grab her hand and like walk down the path or, uh, wherever the, 
Raven's Rags is. As I am being led away, I will just be like, bye, bye, Eli. I think we follow uh, Rainbow and Luz then as they walk off towards this neon sign. And I think as you get there, um, there's kind of like like a, a musky, moldy smell kind of in the air. Like this is a bit of a bit of an unkept area. And right below where that sign juts out is a set of like stairs that descend down. Like like you're on street level and then the stairs go down further, right? And I think Rainbow, as you're like peering down these dark stairs, um, you gain a sense of like unease as like the faint whiff of this mold and like strange and skeevy magic runs across your nose. The neon purple wall sign above you that reads Raven's Rags flickers and catches the faint groove of the steps below as you stare, inviting you down if you dare. I feel like Luz, though, you feel like right at home and I better like teeming with excitement to like enter down there. I feel like I'm about to go to a spa. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to dead stop on the stairs. Um, And (laughs) I like to think, so Rainbow is very heavy. She doesn't lose any mass when she transforms. So she legit weighs, I can't remember the exact weight I said, but she weighs about as much as an adult grizzly bear. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Luz, if you were holding her hand, I like to imagine it's just, oh, and you're just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what's, what's the problem? Smells. Hmm. What's a laundromat again? It's, it's a place where you take your dirty clothes, and then you take them out, and you have clean clothes. It doesn't it- smell very clean at all. It smells like just the dirty clothes, but magic. Um... Um, no, you can clean your clothes here if there's, like, a few of them that are, like, out of order, but, like, I don't know, it's... Okay, here, look. You, you don't like the brown suits, right? I don't like any authoritarian dictatorship police states. The brown suits don't like it here. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't it cool? They don't come down here that much. All right. Yeah! I'm, I'm gonna keep walking if she lets me. Oh yeah, no, I'm not holding on to you. You are a free spirit. <laughs> I think as you go down these stairs and you step onto the small landing at the bottom, um, in front of you is like a large glass like shop front doors. And Rainbow, you try to like peer through, but you find like like nothing but a choked like darkness. Even though it's like middle of the day outside, it is like dark inside and you cannot see in. And I think the bell rings as Luz kicks open the door and she reaches off to the side and taps a light switch and a fluorescent light flickers and sputters on, illuminating the dodgy checkered flooring, janky washing machines that line this room, unsettling the stench of the mold and that skeevy magic. There is half-broken lighting fixtures, derelict wallpaper that peels off from the crusty wall and a mostly empty laundromat. And, and I say mostly empty because, well, apart from like the cockroaches that like ducked under the washing machines to like escape from the light, over in the corner, sitting on a rickety old chair is an old, ragged woman. Her dark leather skin and wiry gray hair shows her like ancient age. She wears a ratty brown cardigan and stares blankly at the space between the both of you with milky blue eyes. 
Through a voice as old as her leathery skin, she croaks. The machines are out of order today. Best try the other laundromat down the street. Uh, hey, 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 Maggie. Um, I'll, I'll have a tikka masala. Oh, is that Luz? Yeah. Oh, what up, my homie? How you doing? <laughs> she holds out a fist for you to bump. And I, 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 I fist bump her. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't you didn't smell me coming because I, I I I haven't bathed in a while. Ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably canon. We didn't have time for a bath yesterday. Yeah, it's loose. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. Check me out. And she lifts up her arm, and I think there's like visible stench lines coming out from her. No, I'm, I'm good. I was joking. Okay. Um, <laughs> can, can we? Uh, can we go? Please. I, I I I had a rough night. I mean, day. Oh my goodness, it was a rough day. Wow, it's not even. What time is it, Maggie? Oh wait, you probably wouldn't know. I can't tell the time. I'm blind. Um. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Can uh, I? I basically, I, you know. No, hold on. Let me check. Let me check. And she pulls up her sleeve, and she's got like five watches, all broken <laughs> and wrong. And she stares at them like, "Yep, nope. I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in like a spectator at a ping pong match, just watching between the two of them as they chat. Oh, Maggie, <laughs> you card. Um, okay, I'm. Uh. Uh, but seriously, I, I had a really stressful day. You know, the 200-year peace has been broken. And uh, oh. guess who is in charge on the good side? Not the evil side. Oh, my God, that sounded bad. Um, <laughs> um, good side. I, uh, I I work with the police, but don't worry. I'm cool. <laughs> oh, bet. I'm going to. I'm like a spy. Oh. Yeah. No, but I need a drink. I, I almost got killed by a spider. Ah, oh, beans. Okay. <laughs> and I think she re- uh, reaches back and then twists the knob of one of these like broken washing machines and the door pops open and a small footstep kicks out from underneath it. And she gestures for you to hop in and Rainbow, you watch as Luz like scoots into this washing machine and keeps going. And you peer inside and it's another tunnel. <gasps> so uh, canonically, this is probably the first washing machine that Rainbow has ever seen. So this mm-hmm. is going to set up her expectations for all future washing machines. <laughs> True. Am I like this woman hasn't acknowledged me yet, right? Uh, no, I'm just going to be like, hello, it was. Ah! Oh, sorry. I didn't know there was someone else here. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Rainbow. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. She holds out a fist bump for you to bump. I'm I'm gonna just like tap it. She's cool. Thank you. That's very nice. Haggy, are you dead? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not yet. <laughs> Still here. <laughs> Lord, won't you take me? Oh my God. Take me now. Like damn. <laughs> um yeah i'm i'm just gonna be like well it was really nice to meet you and your laundry vat but i'm i would like to go uh with luz 
if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. So I think, Rebbe, you bustle into this small little crawl space. And again, this isn't the first tunnel that the both of you have been crawling in today. And I think you hold a small appreciation that the flooring is like cool, smooth metal instead of like the jagged stone that you had back in the museum. And the soft pat of the machine door shuts behind you as you scoot further down into this tunnel. And then I think our camera like rotates so we're on the other side and we watch as a warm light begins to enlighten the faces of Luz and Rainbow as they move down and reach the end of this tunnel. And then I think we switch over to Avery and Eli who continue walking their way through the streets and we stay with them for some time until they reach back to the hotel. And Ava and Eli, you come up these front stairs and you push open the two large front doors of the of the hotel and you step in and almost immediately you hear like this soft clip-clopping of hooves on marble pitted towards you from out from behind the reception desk and then across the lobby and up to you. And you saw him when you both first came into the hotel during the party. He wears a fine black tuxedo style suit with a long tail that sways with each step behind him and the horse head. He reaches you and with his hands behind his back, he scoots both of his feet together in a sort of like half-hearted salute gesture and bows slightly when he introduces himself. Good evening, master and miss. Allow me to introduce myself properly. I am Banjo the clerk and administration manager here at the hotel. Should you need any requirements fulfilled during your stay, please do not hesitate to ask me. I have been instructed to forward on these to the both of you. And with two white gloved hands out, he holds in one hand for each of you, uh, for Eli, a folded note. And in the other, still smoldering, one piece of burnt parchment for you, Ava. Uh, thank you. <laughs> like, picks it up, tempting not to burn herself. I think the both of you take your pieces, and, like, this guy, like, Banjo, he is, like, this is, like, his automatic customer service voice, pretty much. Like, he is so not awake, almost. Like, it, it's as if, like, he just does not care for his job at all, and he's like... um. <laughs> Again, if you have any concerns, please. And he, like he's already like walking away, like bored and going back to his desk. Like, please make sure to come and read. And he's gone. Well, he seems like an interesting person. Yeah, cool. I'd like to open my note. You look down at the piece of parchment and you have a read, and it says, When you are ready, please come to the office. Bring no one. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to go take a shower first. <laughs> <laughs> she stuffs the note in her pocket and then walks up to her room. Fair. It says when she's ready. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she had a long day. <laughs> yeah, I would say she goes up to her room, like takes a long ass shower, probably longer than her normal shower. I picture Ava as the kind of person that like hops in the shower, gets to business, and then 10 minutes later hops out of the shower. This is like a nice long shower to help with like the sore muscles and all that fun stuff. 
And then yep. she gets ready, and then she will meander to the office. Is Ava the type of monster who will, like, walk around with dripping wet hair? Yeah. Oh, God, no! <laughs> All right, guys, I've got the next monster in mind for the next monster. <laughs> got it. Swamp thing. <laughs> it's just Ava after the shower. <laughs> so we watch Ava do these things, and then she meanders back down towards Augustus's office. And Ava, you... Pull down on the brass knob and enter into Augustus's vacant office. The room is how you remember it, though it sits much more still and with less spark and joy that you remember it. A large mahogany desk sits to the back of this room, centered by some luxe armchairs facing it. Books fill the shelves that line the walls, including the one that you also remember hides a secret chamber behind from which you obtained your glaive. And off to the far right, the ornate fireplace gives a soft glow when you enter into the room. I think she's just going to, like, put her hand on the desk and then kind of, like, touch a couple things of his. Maybe if he had any, like, a nameplate on his desk or things that just kind of remind her of him and the warmth that he used to bring to the office. And um, then she's kind of going to go around the desk and slide her hand over the chair, turn it around a couple times just to see if it spins, and then plop down in it. Yeah, so I'm here. Anyways, I'm here. (laughs) Hello? A single piece of parchment spits out from the fireplace and flutters through the air towards you. And I think you kind of reach forwards and grasp it. And it kind of like just burns your hand just a little bit and you kind of have to hot potato it in your hands. And then you can read the ink and it says, Thank you for coming. How did everything go? To be honest, it was a shit show. I think she wheels around and is actually facing the desk now and she leans her head on the table. We lost Augustus. I don't quite understand, but I, it, it sounds like his soul was taken or whatever is equal to a soul in this world. I don't really know, but it's just an empty shell now. I mean, he's, he's gone. And then Rainbow and Luz got really hurt and Eli and glad <sighs> it's over. Another piece of parchment flitters out and you catch it and it reads, where is Augustus? Um, he is with the pigeon brown suit people. They, they took him somewhere. Another parchment and it reads... Tell me what happened. Okay, well, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what happened, but based on what Rainbow and Luz told me, Trenchy, or Trench Code, I call him Trenchy, he's, I guess, evil? Yeah, he's evil, okay. Um, he took something from Augustus, like, his, his vibrance? I think it's called um, something about a necklace. Uh, it would have been easier if I was there, but I really don't know. 
Like, I wasn't even supposed to be involved. It was after Eli, not me. I think at that, another piece spurts out, and it reads, You have Alistair in your past. That is why you are here. Alistair? What's that? Who's Alistair? I've never heard that name. A moment passes, and then another piece, which reads, Alistair wishes to shepherd darkness and evil into this world, and will stop at nothing to make this happen. Alistair's trenchy? The fireplace gives just a soft glow. Oh my gosh, she has a name. His name's Alistair. Fuck Alistair. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It actually cut out when you said that. So all we got was... <laughs> Why does he want evil and darkness in the world? Do you even know? Uh, no reply. How do we stop him? How do we help Augustus? Can we help Augustus? There is a soft glow followed by a bit of a silence and then another piece of parchment that reads, Stop him. What do you think we've been trying to do this whole time? I mean, every time we meet him, he's one step ahead of us. He's always, it's like playing chess with somebody who's five moves ahead. How We're just kids. Augustus was the one that had all the plans and do the ideas, and he's gone now, so what do we do? We have you, I guess, a fireplace that talks. It's a hotel. It sounds weird out loud, but, I mean, I'm not even from here. And then again, another piece of parchment comes out. And this one kind of catches you off guard. It reads, I see Ellen. She's close to you. I don't think she knows how to respond to that, honestly. My mom, she's close to me. What do you, the the cards? You mean the cards, right? Cards she left me and she's like pulling them out of her pocket and like showing them to the fireplace because that seems to be the next logical step in her mind. Uh, The fireplace glows a lot brighter now with this like warmth. When you show the cards. She's here. I mean, there was that weird incident where they kind of had a mind of their own and they didn't really want to believe it was her. I did place full of magic. How do you know? But it really was her. Always manages to protect me somehow. Did you know my mom? Uh, I didn't think there was a reply to that question. I think Ava leans back in the chair and just sits there, just trying to think. And then she looks at the fireplace and goes, okay, so what's next? Any bright ideas? When you say that, you hear in the top left drawer of the desk, a small click. Uh, Ava investigates the click. Yeah, you 
pull open the drawer and you notice that there's like a lock to it. It's one. Of, it's the only drawer that had a lock to it. So you assume that the lock was then opened at that moment. And when you pull it open, sitting on top of everything are four very like elegant kind of fancy looking invitations that are addressed to correspondence from the Hotel of Discovery. Your presence is requested at the Exeter Castle celebrating the Broadstead Knights. And then it's got uh, extra details at the bottom with an operatic performance from Madame Rochelle and a reminiscing from Sergeant Bailey. And you look at the date and the date is for tonight. So I guess this is our next move. There's a soft glow from the fireplace. So are we looking for anything in particular? Is this another monster? Can I have a hint? Anything? (laughs) I think the only response you get from that is just a soft glow. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, So I guess I'll go find the others and let them know. What do I wear? I don't have anything to wear. I think as you kind of, you maybe like scoot back in your chair and you go to like, close the drawer and like as you're talking to yourself your eye catches something else in this top drawer it's a photograph you see that it's like quite an old looking photograph it's it's sort of like that sepia tone you know what i mean like it's not black and white but it's just got like the vaguest bit of color and there are two people a man and a boy and the man is Augustus, and he stands with his arms around a young boy. And the boy is kind of dressed quite eccentrically. He wears these small silver glasses, and around his neck is like a small green glowing gem. Uh, tucked into the boy's like breast pocket is like a small stopwatch. And in the other hand, he holds a wooden staff. And you you recognize these items immediately. They're the items that you all picked up from the museum. Except, like, the, the, the facial features of the statue match this young boy. It troubles you, though, because, well, here's Augustus standing next to this boy, yet the statue was of an old, an older man. And then I think you maybe, like, flip over the the photograph and, like, scrawled in pencil on the back is the date. And the date is about 200 years ago. A hotel. Who's this? And I think she shows the fire and the photograph. I think a little moment passes before a piece of parchment comes fluttering out. And you snatch it and it reads, that's the protector of Broadstead. That's the ancient one. Okay. We got some of... These items from the museum, I mean, the staff, the 
time thing that I got. I mean, she picks it out of her pocket and like shows it to the fireplace. I think there's no reply, but just like a kind of soft and lasting glow. And now you choose to be quiet. That's cool. Fix the photo back in and um, closes the drawer. Oh, is this this a one-time thing or am I going to need to come back and talk to you? Is, is this going to be normal now? I didn't think there's a reply to that either. Okay. Now I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to my room now. Okay, bye. <laughs> just leaves the room. <laughs> I think we now transition back across town and back into uh, the laundromat where Rainbow, your bare feet touch down on the creaky floorboards below you as they groan under your weight when you exit and step out from this crawl space. On the other side of that janky laundromat is now a kind of wonderful room. The, the dim lighting from uh, the lanterns in this room wavers softly against the timber flooring, walls, and bar. And a handful of half-passed-out patrons slump in their chairs at, at the various tables and booths that populate this room. You pad your way through this room, following Luz, who beelines probably straight for the bar. Looking over behind the bar, you notice a wall of bottles each that swirl and glow with like a different aura of color. There's like a brackish brown, like a, a, a bubblegum blue and like spring grass green. And the skeevy magic smell lingers heavily and thickly in the air of this rustic yet homely underground bar that you now step into. Welcome to my lovely little detergent shop. <laughs> I'm gonna like walk, walk to the uh, to the bar. Be like, David, David, David. I'm so sorry, my microphone was muted. Um. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna start pounding my fists on the bar. <laughs> David, David, David. If she does that long enough without a response, I'm going to come up and start tentatively just. <laughs> like politely beside her, like David, like but offbeat from her, David. No, no, no Damon. <laughs> Damon. No, no, I'm saying David because Rainbow misheard, and now she's like, "Oh, Damon, Damon." <laughs> I think after like a, a short moment of pounding and chanting, you see popping up from behind the bar, and he was kind of like, uh, I don't know. Doing what bartenders do in all off scenes is they they are polishing a glass. And up pops this like very kind of suave dressed, sort of like middle-aged to young looking man. He's got uh, this like kind of slick black vest on with like a white undershirt that's like rolled up uh, to, to the elbows, exposing his tattoo sleeves that both come down to each of his wrists. And his hair on top is like, dual toned it's like shock white as well as like this kind of uh, dark black on the sides and back and it's kind of like peppered in there and uh, he kind of leans against the bar as all bartenders do that's how we do it in role plays 
he just kind of offers you a soft smile and says, um, oh, hey, Luz, it's uh, good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, guess what? What? <gasps> the 200. Wait, no, I'm going to I'm going to whisper this to you so you can come closer. He leans in like like not even an inch closer. Guess what? It's the uh, it's the 200 year piece. It's broken. And guess who's trying to fix the world? Yeah, I think one of his eyebrows like shoots up and he's like, like you've got his attention now. And he goes, hmm, is that so? Yeah, and I, I, uh, I did fight it, but I, I could have gotten in a fight with a spider, like a big one, not like a little one. Um, and, uh, you know, like I, I saved, I saved Gus and Rainbow saved me and, uh, I chopped the guy's fingers off. Holy shit. Liz, you're a badass. Yeah! <laughs> I'm gonna start pounding my fists on the table again. <laughs> and this time you start chanting, Liz, 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 Is uh, Rainbow your friend here? Ah, yes. Uh, she's, she's really cool. She's not a narc. She hates the brown suits. Uh, so yeah, she's cool. Hello. What's up? I'm Rainbow. Damon. Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Friends, 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 friends. <laughs> just politely, okay. like, tapping the table beside Luz. Just like, I think if we really hit this table, it would break. Like, like if I went all out on the table, I might break it. How hard do you hit these? <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to make Luz very giddy. If you can't tell, oh no, somehow. it's so cute! It's so cute. Yeah, you're hitting the mock. <laughs> and, um, she she's just gonna start squirming in her seat. Be like, okay, well, I've been very stressed out. Uh, can can I can I have the uh the whoa whoa whoa? Huh? Hold on there. Hold your horses. Come on, we got a newcomer here. You know, it's sort of policy to kind of check him out a little bit. And he turns towards you, Rainbow, and Damon says, um, where are you from? As his eyes kind of narrow just, just, just slightly. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. Just be like, well, I spend summer up in the mountains, in the woods, um, usually around the big river area but sometimes we go to the two waterfalls area and sometimes um when the bears get really aggressive for the salmon season we like move to the lake area and then during winter there's this old cabin that we fixed the roof on and we all sleep in there so that we don't freeze a small little like smile kind of like crosses his face as he kind of says you a wolf? I, I'm going to grin at him and show him my slightly sharper than normal teeth and be like, yeah. He smiles and also has slightly sharper than normal teeth. Oh, dude, what does he smell like? Um, he smells like a, a very like distant, uh, like, like not relative, but just like very distant alikeness to you. And I think, like, to match, like, the lore that's happening in this story, 
is that there are like sort of different like factions of werewolves. Um, Rainbow just happens to come from like the like the kind of hippie commune. I think there are sort of other less lesser like kind of public publicly known communes. And uh, I think from one of those, maybe more of like a city slickers. That's where that's where Damon comes from. I'm going to continue smiling and just be like, I didn't know there would be other wolves here. Yeah, I hardly see any myself. Oh, there's lots where I come from. We've got like, I mean, people are pretty free spirited, so they come and go when they want. But we've usually got like 30, maybe 40. Wow. Hmm. I didn't think I've ever seen more than more than two in the same room before. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, it's just, you know, how it is down here in the city. I have noticed it's really different here. I imagine there's a lot different from from you guys up in the mountains. Yeah, uh, I rode a train. I couldn't <laughs> see it, so I can't say that I've ever seen a train, but that was neat. Don't find those in nature. No, they they don't seem to be naturally occurring. That was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just just having an out-of-character experience. Just, oh, God. Yep, Rainbow, they don't... You're right. They don't show up in nature. Keep trying. <laughs> you might find one. Well, it's, uh, it's good to meet you. It's good to meet you, Damon. Do you have a pack near here? Oh, no. No, I, uh, I run alone. I do my own thing. Find it easier that way. Are you... No. If you're happier doing that, then then that's good. Well, I mean, being on my own makes it easier to, to go when I need to go. What we do here isn't exactly legal. And he offers uh, you, Luz, just a little wink. I blink. <laughs> <laughs> Can Liz not wink? Oh no! <laughs> but I do it very aggressively, so my mouth kind of moves. Crunch up your nose a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Wink. Oh god. <laughs> now, um, Liz, before we get started, I know you probably had a rough day. I got a little bit of tea. Now, I heard there's been more activity coming from the brown suits lately especially down this end of town I don't know what it's about but it's possible that they're trying to snoop for this place they haven't heard anything have they no well, uh, did, you, did you think that I would do something like oh my god no this is like the one place where I can do anything fun because I, all I got is Bacchus and like homeschool and Gus. I miss Gus. <laughs> that, that's all I got. I would never. I swear on my life. And I swear on uh, Rainbow's. I wouldn't swear on Rainbow's life. I, I. You know what? No, I'm confident in saying this. I swear on Rainbow's life. <laughs> I think like a, a cheeky, mischievous kind of smile crosses his face and he's like, I know you're cool. I just like to ruffle you up a little bit sometimes. Yeah, I'm cool. And he reaches behind the bar, like from underneath, and he pulls out and uh, a, a little menu. 
and he folds it out in front of you, Rainbow, because like Damon knows that Luz, you know what's up. And Damon unravels this for you, Laura. This was created by Bun. So thank you, Bun, for this. Ah, uh, it's literally one of the teases, Eldritch Blast. Okay, I'm gonna read this. Um, the the menu title is Ragged Raven. There is uh, there are six T's. One is the Eternal Flame. One is the Path. One is the Void. One is Eldritch Blast. One is Goop, probably sponsored by Gwyneth Paltrow. And the other is Turn Undead. <laughs> and they've all got cute little pictures. Bun, this is so good. I love it. I want to draw funny little bottles. Mad respect. <laughs> yeah. Ah, we've got props. <laughs> if uh, do a little plug here, be the listener. If you want to check out what this thing looks like, visit us at bit.ly forward slash the page. I'm going to chuck it up on there. So yeah, I think probably like, I imagine Luz is going to like choose first because she probably knows. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try the internal, eternal flame this time. Yeah. Hmm. Changing it up. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just want to, I want to, I want to try to see what it does. I am. Anyways, what do you want? What is it? It's not as bad as the explanation makes it sound. David, David, help. No, you got this. And Damon turns around and he begins, like, mixing up an eternal flame drink for you. Um, okay, so, like, you drink one and it can make, have some effects on you. I heard the eternal flame turns you into a big fireball. And I want to do that. And, uh, the path, it makes, it makes you see the future a little bit. Or like whatever you want clearance on. It's like very eye-opening. And um, you'll never guess what turn on dead is. Does it make you undead? For a little bit. Um, and then <laughs> I don't know about Eldritch Blast. That one that one seems a little scary. And a uh, goop makes you turn into a goop. And the void makes you turn into the void. Huh. But for a little bit. And these are teas? More or less. And I'm going to look at Damon and just be like, how does it affect people who can already turn into other things? It doesn't have any long-lasting adverse effects on it. You might be a little bit knocked out from it, but uh, overall the experience is rather, you know, thrilling. If uh, if you want, you're welcome to watch Luz do her thing, since she's a bit of a, you know, seasoned visitor here at uh, the Ragged Raven. We have uh, designated rooms just down the hallway here. And he points a thumb off to the side, and you can see there's a little, like, yeah, it's kind of short little hallway that just exits off the side. I trust Luz. Um, can I have the path, please? One path. If you two want, you're welcome to uh, take a seat, get comfortable, and uh, I'll come over with your drink shortly. Thank you. So, uh, while we're while we're waiting, I want to find, like, the sturdiest chair and then just perch on that and make sure that there's a seat next to it for Luz to join me and just be like... So, do you come here a lot? Oh my uh, god, did I just hit you with the come here often pickup line? <laughs> That's funny, no. though. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I come here, like, once a day, if time allows me. I have, like, I have a secret way here, out from my window. Oh. Yeah, I can show you sometime if you really like it here. And I just, like, go here, like, a f- about 5 a.m. every day. It's, it's good to get my energy up. That's very early. Yeah. I mean, I will sleep. Hardly. Oh. 
what, well, what's it called? Huh? I was about to say sleep's important. I mean, like, you know what what it is? Like, the thing where you um snack throughout the day, like grazing? Yeah. Whatever it's called. I kind of do that with sleep. Oh, okay. Naps. Yeah, naps. But, like, not, not really. It's never great. But I get enough. Well, I do like the lighting and like and I'm gonna pat the I imagine it's one of those like weathered like polished scarred old bar tables and like really nice cushioned but like metal stools because this guy probably has the same uh, weight to size ratio that I do so he probably packs good stools <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah he this ain't this ain't I kid he gets it from he gets it from the good stuff yeah so um, Rainbow's gonna be like, I like the ambience, but it's got a smell to it, and I've gotten used to it, but I don't think I'd come here without you. Aw, I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, I don't even know if he was lying when he said the brown suits came here a lot, but I'd imagine if you got caught, you would be in, in trouble, as, you know, we're working for them. Don't say that out loud. <laughs> I think right at that point, Damon comes over with the two drinks and he goes, um, working for who? Um, the hotel. Oh, doing what? Oh, well, I mean, we're, we're fighting the good fight, I guess. Uh, uh you can kind of say that we're infiltrating the, the police system. But they don't know that. Wink! I don't think I know that. What are you talking about? Look, <laughs> I'm not working for the police. <laughs> and I just... I got roped into it. I don't like it. Don't be mad at me. Luz, you working with the brownies? Uh, yeah, but like, I don't like it. <laughs> Dude, I promise. I swear. I, I have not ever said a word and I never will. And I don't like it. I yelled at like uh, like two at least. And like, they're worthless. Like, I don't see how they can help. They are pretty they- worthless. They stole my dad. I could have watched him just fine. They stole my dad. I know you're a smart kid. We can talk about this later. Here. Hmm. He hands you the drinks. <laughs> oh, dear God. Let's go to a room. <laughs> I'm going to get up and carry my drink. <laughs> I'm going to follow. But as we leave, I'll be like, thank you, Damon. I think Damon actually leads you to the room. Oh, okay, good. Then. Okay. So you follow Damon as he leads you down this sort of short hallway that's off to the side of the bar. And in this short hallway, there's like like five or six doorways that branch off of it. And in each of the doors, there's a, um, a small thick glass panel for viewing. And as you're walking past each of these rooms, you notice that like the interior is very like bleak and bland. Like it's very bland inside. And as you're walking past each of these doorways, you look in through that glass panel and in one room there is, it is just like almost completely filled up with this like green goopiness and you go to the next room as you keep walking and you look in. You get the sensation that you are just staring into negative space. That it is, there is less than nothing in there. And then I think you come to like the another door, which Damon now pushes open, and he gestures for 
Luz to step in. And I do so. Good luck, kid. Yeah, I hope it works. And he pulls the door shut with you on the outside, Rainbow. Uh, and he as well. And he spins this like, um, how, do, how do you describe like the door handle that's like a wheel and it's for like heavy duty stuff? Oh. Like on submarines and that, right? Yeah. It's like that, like a submarine hatch. And he a like valve. twists it. Yeah, 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 like a valve uh, thing. And he, he twists that and there's a final like clunk that echoes in the room that lose you now stand in. And Rainbow, you watch as Luz steps into the middle of this room. And it, when you like look closer, it's like a thick iron chamber. Like there's no furniture inside. There is no, like barely any lighting really, uh, apart from a small pane that comes like through the, through the top slit in the room. Apart from that, it is like this, like hazmat safety kind of. A clean room? Yeah. And in the middle of which? Under this light stands Luz with her bright orange and yellow drink. I'm, I'm going to drink it and I'm very nervous. <laughs> like I, I, it's like I get in there and like automatically I just like, I just down it. And, um, I, I mutter like a little, like, I'm sorry, David. And I just like drop the glass uh, after I'm done and I'm just like standing there like with my eyes shut tight and I'm waiting and like I wait and I wait and then I look down and I'm just like where like where where is it I can't I can't even get it right with when I'm like forcing myself into this state I, I can't <sighs> and I'm I'm gonna start pacing around the room and I'm like gonna kick the wall <laughs> And just like after after I have like a mini meltdown, I'm just like gonna start walking towards the door, but like right before I get to it, I'm going to just burst into this like purple mass of just like space and a bunch of like cyan eyes are going to like form around me and I I feel like if you were in this room, you would just hear, like, the loudest noise possible. Um, just, like, her screaming. Do we hear that outside of the room? I think you hear, like, just the, the dullest, faintest roar emanating from this, like, purpley, like... Ex- like explosion that just erupts in front of you almost in like absolute silence. I think it catches you off guard, Rainbow, because your friend, your dear friend Luz, seemingly is just like obliterated. Damon. And he was already like walking halfway back towards the bar. And he, he stops and he turns on his heel and he says, yep. Is this normal? And I've got slightly confrontational wolf posture. Probably Damon is the first person who would actually understand what Rainbow's posture means a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I think he starts like walking down towards you um, and he's just like holding out his hands like, it's okay, look, don't worry about it. This kind of thing happens. She's not really on fire. 
is is just a, an illusion. You don't have. And he stops, and he looks at what you're looking at at this. Not definitely not an eternal flame. This is something else, and this is something that he has not seen before. And you just kind of like, uh oh. Can you let me in, Damon? No, 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 no. Absolutely not. This is not normal. Nor should we intervene. What if she needs help? She'll be okay. She's a tough kid. I know, but she does this thing where she tries to take too much on herself. <sighs> yeah, a lot of a lot of the folks who come here are like that. I offer this as an escape for him, but but this, and I think I think this purple glow is like lighting up just like a rectangular slit across Damon and Rainbow's faces. And we go into the room. Like, we, we float into the room. What is this experience like for Luz? Because we, we know what it looks like. But what, what's happening? It's like she's in a state of being aware of what's happening, but also she just has no idea. And all she knows is she is... Like, do you ever get, like, bad news that's bad enough to make your brain just hurt? <laughs> Like, that's like that times like a hundred for her. And she she just feels like such a failure right now. Why does she feel like a failure? <sighs> well, she grew up in a family circus. And they were known as the most skilled, just like fire, like fire magicians, I guess. Like the most skilled people like in that like magic form like there ever was like they they put on these like performances that were just like death defying and just like amazing and they could like make shapes with their fire magic like they could they could just do anything and ever since Luz was little like well first like she was she was born with a mark of an eye on her forehead which was very not normal but they didn't, like, after everything, they didn't really see anything wrong with it. They just kind of wanted her to grow her bangs out to cover that up. And she just, like, she grew up not ever able to do flame magic like the rest of her family wanted her to. So Luz couldn't do this magic, and that's why she feels like a failure? Yeah, like... She would always have to go through this training, quote unquote. Like she, she'd have to watch her siblings like do these like fire, like these tricks with their fire magic, and like, like no matter what, she was just never able to do it. And like at a certain point, her family was like, "Oh, you're just doing this on purpose. You want to be special, <laughs> like that type of thing." And she just never could, like no matter what. So like, just her drinking this potion that would like force her into like a state of just nothing but fire. <laughs> she can't even do that. Oh. So she's she's freaked out and she's mad. Like she can't even drink a thing and have the right effects. Like she's just absolutely hopeless in her biological family's eyes. Like no matter what she does, she's just like aware of this fact. Where are her family now? <clears throat> Probably still doing the circus. Uh, Luz ha probably has no idea. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, she 
they put her in a shed outside after a while because she was just an absolute failure to the family in their eyes. And she didn't have very good living conditions. So she just kind of, she kind of just like went out and did her own thing. She just kind of ran away and never looked back. She was just, she was like an orphan type just on the streets. Right. Did that help her? Um, I mean, she found another family <laughs> that adopted her and, um, like they were, they were very nice people, very normal people. So like, I feel like one day when her new, uh, adoptive mom was like brushing her hair, she probably saw the, the eye on her forehead and like tried to like rub it off and like it didn't go away. So she just kind of told her like, nope, you're going to grow your hair out, uh, and keep it grown out. And keep that covered because, like, we like what what could that possibly mean? We just want to be normal people, <laughs> you know, like because uh, they're they're like basically the broadsit equivalent of like a family that like has like office jobs. <laughs> um, Fair, yeah. White picket fence type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So she started growing her hair out, and she wasn't allowed to cut it. So she just kind of kept her hair growing and. Now her face is covered. <laughs> yeah. How'd lose like that? Eh, she, she, uh, she it was annoying. <laughs> like, uh, she probably didn't like having that in her face constantly, but like, and she'd get used to it. But I don't know. The thing that broke her <laughs> where she'd actually go away again was she learned about boggies. And she fell in love with the concept of boggies. Ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> She's, she probably like read it, like read, read about them constantly. Mm-hmm. How did the nuclear family take that? Well, she got so wrapped up in it. She just kind of stayed in her room all the time. <laughs> and she, they didn't like that. They tried to get her out and they just kind of, they got fed up with it to the point where they were like, nope, you're, you're not like, we're not going to deal with this. You are acting crazy. So I feel like they'd hint like, okay, if you're not going to do this, like you're, you got to get out. So Lou's being very passionate about her research would obviously choose to just go, go leave, but keep mm-hmm. her books with her in her trusty messenger bag. So she was a ru- runaway too. Yeah, she was just kind of on the street. She didn't have any direction to go. She just wanted to read in peace and like be her own person. So she just keep keep to herself quite a lot uh, and just like roam the streets, basically. Just do her research. How was the, her time on the streets? Uh, not good. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure when she'd meet Damon and stuff, but like maybe, maybe during those times. She probably got food <laughs> from there and stuff. Yep. Riff raff, street rats. <laughs> Give lose those snacks. Uh- <laughs> 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 so, uh, I don't know. She'd, she'd like go around like the good parts too. Like you don't, you wouldn't want to stay in that one area all the time. Mm. All that stuff. <laughs> like, did she spend? Because obviously she doesn't live on the streets anymore. What's that? What's that like of Luz's story like? Like that transition? 
Well, one day she was just walking, like, just walking down the road, and this crazy-haired guy goes and's like, "Hey, this is this is bad. Why are you out here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bright suit, bright orange hair. Yeah, she'd probably be like, "Are you that boggy Ronald McDonald that I've always heard about?" <laughs> uh. I knew that guy had secrets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, but uh, he would just take her in, I guess, and she'd probably be very confused. Um, and I'm not sure, like, how Gus would like m- make her feel at first, because, like, oh, you're living on the streets, and now so- suddenly you're in this like luxury hotel, and there's like not other people that live here other than Bacchus. Oh no! It was it, the hotel was like sort of consistently populated with people. Okay, but like living, like I don't know. Uh, she, it was weird, nonetheless. Sure, um, yeah. All of a sudden, being in like this luxury place. Yeah. So, like, like I don't think she'd make friends with like the people that come and go. She just kind of talked to Bacchus because that's her teacher, apparently. And then, yeah. oh wow, cool! I get free food here. Oh, it's way <laughs> better than. Uh, the Ragged Raven, no offense, Damon, and just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can have a free pie every morning if I want, like just that type of thing. So it'd be like great, but also weird. Um, but she'd still like want to keep to herself. Yep, I think like somehow we are like watching these scenes take place. Maybe it's like Luz is hovering in this space, uh, in the room. Maybe like tracking that story and tracking that memory. And I think, uh, if you'll let me, uh, Bun, we, like, Rainbow, you see that narrative play out. Would that be okay? Yeah, I imagine, like, the eyes having, like, little scenes in them, perhaps, and just, like, mm-hmm. lots lots of information coming from Luz. <laughs> and I guess, like, after following that narrative, what's next? What What happens? She's just going to think about all these, like, moments in her life. And I feel like the breakdown's going to last for a good few minutes. Um, but for maybe for her, it'd feel like hours because she can't perceive time <laughs> currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I feel like as these scenes play out in those, like, eyes that are floating around this, like, purple void... Um, like they're going to start like moving really fast eventually. And I think all this, like all these eyes and all all this mist is going to like start shrinking and form like a silhouette of Luz. And she's going to appear and immediately like fall fetal position on the floor. (laughs) Um, And she's, her eyes are just wide and she's like staring at the wall um just silent i think we watch as uh, rainbow and damon both like quickly slam into the room and they both tend to lose and i think rainbow you're the one who picks up rainbow uh yeah, Rainbow, you pick up yourself, you defy gravity, and <laughs> Newton dies. 
somewhere Isaac Newton just dies <laughs> again. <laughs> again. I can't believe Isaac Newton is f-ing dead. <laughs> yeah. And I think you carry her out to, sorry, you pick up Luz and you carry her out to, to the bar. And, and Damon hastily follows and immediately goes behind the bar and starts like concocting some sort of like pick me up uh, remedy. Is uh, Luz at all conscious or is she just like flat knocked out? She's conscious. She's just kind of like autopilot right now. <laughs> like she's just sitting in her chair. <laughs> she's just kind of mm-hmm. like curled up like with her knees to her chest. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, I made David mad for working with the brown suits. I made Gus die. And I made my real dad upset. And I made my adoptive dad upset. Uh, I'm just gonna make a croaking noise for like five minutes. Uh, I would like to uh, come over and be like, Luz, may I hug you? Go for it. All right. And then I'm just going to pick you up in whatever chair you're in, sit on the chair and then replace you on me and give you just like a full body hug. Oh, that's very nice of you, but I don't, I don't deserve it. I think that you should, hmm, do you trust me? Yeah. Do you think that sometimes I'm right about things? Um, yeah. I think you deserve this. And I don't think I'm wrong right now. Oh? And then I want to just, like, brush your bangs back from your head. If you'll let me. Because I don't want to, like, force you to show your third eye if you're uncomfortable with it. But I want to just brush them back. And then just put my forehead on yours and be like, it doesn't matter what you look like. Oh, that's me out of character. Oh. <laughs> uh, Luz is just going to look up at you, like, at first, like, what, the, what, the, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and then... She's going to just sit there and she she's just full waterworks for a second. But this time she's silent. Like Laura has to know, does she cry from all three eyes? Uh, no, it is just like a birthmark on her head. It's not like a bulbous real eye. Oh, <laughs> OK. I was about to say, because if I like I thought it was like a flat tattoo like thing. But if I have put my forehead on yours, is my forehead just like squishing your eyeball? And I'm sorry. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's not a birthmark. It's all good, but <laughs> okay. All right, then good. I would like to continue the actual face-to-face, forehead-to-forehead moment, and just hold lose. Just be like, you don't get to control how other people feel about you, except in how you present yourself. And I think you present yourself okay. And if some people don't like how you look in ways that you can't change then you don't have to be with those people. I mean, it's it's a matter of talent that I care about. I, I don't know, it's... I can't even drink a potion that forces you into being a fireball, and I can't even do that. I want to just, like, head pat. Just, just, just rub your hair, rub the back of your head, and just be like, you don't have to catch fire to be valuable. You don't have to have fire powers to be a valid person. 
I guess. I don't know. I have all these parents and I can't even impress one of them. I'm just going to flop over. (laughs) I will allow you to flop if that's what you want to (laughs) do. I I really appreciate you thinking of me. You're always thinking of me, Luz, and I really like that. But and I'll leave if you want. I I don't want to intrude in your space. But I think I'd like to be with you for at least a little bit. You seem like you need a friend. I um I need a little bit by myself, if that's okay. Always. And I'm going to just, like, climb off the stool and then set loose back on it. <laughs> Little gremlin baby. She's like, gremlin baby! <laughs> oh my god, she's baby Yoda! <laughs> Except she talks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And she's probably not 50. <laughs> Is baby Yoda in The Mandalorian? Yes. And then um, Bill Burke walks in. What a complete animal! <laughs> <laughs> Look at this kid with their emotions. <laughs> Does Rainbow want to do this thing now? Yes. Luz asked for space. Rainbow is not going to force herself into Luz's space. Like, I really don't want to leave. But it's like, Damon, um, I did ask you to make a thing and I, I'd hate for it to go to waste. Can I have that? path now? Will you stay with Luz? Like, under her breath, just... He, uh, just gives you, like, a a nod, and he slides over the purpley drink to you. And he just kind of, like, nods his head towards the hallway. I'm going to go into the room that Luz used. Damon follows you, and there is the loud thud of the metal door behind you, followed by the rotating of the handle uh, before it it snaps into the locked position. And you are in this cold, rather dark space. I think as you kind of like pad your way to the middle of the room, you feel like the cool, cold metal, the iron, like sort of metal uh, material beneath your feet uh, as you carry your drink. What does the drink smell like? It's got a hint of optimism and grape. And then, since Luz warned me not to think of depressing things, I'm going to take a minute. Just just calm, center, peace. And then I'm just going to clear my mind, and I'm going to drink my drink. Almost immediately, like, a bluish kind of haze begins, begins to, like, swirl around you. I think from, like, what we see from outside the room, from, like, Damon's perspective, who's just, like, for a second, just, like, watching on... Uh, we don't see anything at all. It, it, we just see Rainbow standing there. But Rainbow, what you experience is this blue haze. It's like a hazy cloud begins to like swirl and thicken around your head in like a, I don't know, kind of like an arm's reach around you. And it forms like this kind of iridescent bubble followed by these like movement and shapes that slowly kind of like sharpen a little bit, like of the cloud and then it kind of wisps away followed by like more movement that comes in and it's slowly becoming more and more refined until you start to get more of a clear scene rainbow could you please roll plus weird for the start of mystery move premonitions oh 
yes. Hang on. Come on. Okay. Uh, that is a five plus three. That's eight. An eight. Okay. So you get clouded images of something bad that is yet to happen. You get to mark experience if you stop this thing from happening. Oh. The swirling movements of this cloud begin to take the shape of these small, like, figures. And they kind of, like, shimmer and sway and move together. There's two of them now. And very soon you see that it's, like, two people dancing. And they're, like, ballroom dancing. And very faintly, just kind of, like, from the edges of this this sort of swirling bubble, you hear... Like a string quartet. And shortly followed by, in like the background of these two figures, there is this like eloquent ballroom that begins to come into focus. And then surrounded by dozens and dozens of patrons who all share smiles and champagne as they cheers amongst themselves. All watching these two dancers graciously sort of flow about this room, moving as one. And then the scene takes a turn. When you notice, through this scene, through the middle of the crowd, a inky, black, misty creature with tendrils is like rolling and like sputtering erratically between everybody in this crowd and is just kind of coursing its way throughout everybody like unbeknownst to anybody here at the party they're all just focused on these dancers and this thing writhes its way across the scene before launching into the body of a gentleman who is kind of like strewn about for a bit before like he collects himself and like somewhere inside you you get this like a matched unrelenting feeling of like this is trench 